Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast, part of the SealCarry.com network. This is Season 5, Episode 16, published on June 20th, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking to Todd Fossey from IDS about contextual training. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back, relax, for another interesting episode of the Fire Trainer Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fire Trainers Association. Visit their website at FTAProtect.com. Dot com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, for listening to this podcast, you get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the LSR Classic Trainer. I use the LSR Classic system in my classroom because it allows me to teach first-time gun owners proper side alignment, proper drawing from a holster, and trigger control without stepping on the range. Saving me time and the student money by not firing rounds downrange. When the student is ready, they know what to do because of the classroom training. LSR Classic is easy to set up and tear down because all you need is a laptop with a webcam to use it. That allows you to set up anywhere you can take your laptop. The application also works with any laser device from laser cartridges you put in your firearm to dedicate laser trainers. LSR is veteran-owned and operated. Find out more information at LASRapp.com and receive a special 10% discount by using discount code FTP10 at checkout. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Todd Fossey for Integrated Defensive Solutions. Welcome back, Todd, and thank you for taking time to share your expertise with our audience. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. It's, uh, as always, it's a it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you in that sexy voice of yours. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> thank you for those compliments. I'm glad my wife is not listening. I'd feel a little bit insecure right now. <laughs> or, or my wife either. She might be looking at you a little bit uh, odd also. Um, Todd, for those people who don't know who Todd Fossey is and what you do with uh, Integrated Defensive Solutions, uh, can you give us a little bit about your background? Well, yes. First of all, I got to say this, though. It's actually Integrative Defense Strategies. Technically, that's what it is. Integrative Defense Strategies. strategies. <sighs> okay. Yeah, that's a, it's all good. Close enough. Close enough. Um, what do we do? I'm the founder, and we integrate multiple disciplines into one comprehensive system where we specialize in self-defense and personal protection with the firearm. That will integrate, of course, the firearm, combatives, decision-making, psychology of violence, our own psychology, the, the psychology of others and uh, psychology of criminals, use of force, tactics, legalities, skill acquisition. We take all those things and more, and we blend them together into one comprehensive system. So that's, that's what we do in a nutshell. It's a Venn diagram where all those things blend together in in the middle where all of those disciplines and principles are interdependent off of one another so to us those disciplines are indivisible they can't be separated and we don't think they should be mm -hmm. which kind of leads us into what the topic of today's podcast is about and that is the contextual training because context is what drives everything that we do you know if it's a big problem we handle it you know from a big way, you know, we don't, we don't go along and, you know, use a sledgehammer to kill an ant. We find something that is more appropriate because the context there, we don't need to smash things. We just need to kill that one little ant. But at the same time, if it's big, 
it's an elephant we're not going to go along and take a tack hammer and try to stop an elephant with a tack hammer right well absolutely context dictates strategy as well in terms of what, what we call fight iq or defense iq and what you would be referencing is the use of force continuum right using the same level of force that comes against us without going beyond that level of force and once the threat has been stopped we must stop and once the threat has a reasonable means of retreat without harming anybody else we must allow them to retreat and in most cases if we have a reasonable means of retreat we must retreat as well even as the defender and, that, and then obviously that would include the pillars that would govern that would govern the laws um, around the use of force. So we feel very strongly that um, training should be the decision making should be contextualized as opposed to generic information processing. And we we feel like that's a really big hole and a big deficiency that's happening in the firearms training world and community it tends to be if, if there's any decision making at all it really tends to be um decontextualized or generic in, in information processing which is not an information rich environment right so um i we feel very strongly about that mm -hmm. yeah it's like the um when you're training on a static range and you've got a paper target in front of you it's real easy to go along draw your pistol nice and easy and slow and put two rounds uh, on the target or without a problem problem is how many times does that ever happen in real life from a defensive situation and that's where your con tying in contextual you know allows you to start going along and and doing broadening the uh, your understanding and what what to properly use in those kind of situations do you run run do you hide do you fight you know th those uh approaches to it yeah i mean how how can how can this iq be developed any other way if all we're doing is standing across from a static paper or cardboard target it simply can't be there's no interaction right there's there's you're not going to be able to develop those things um and oftentimes the the training is far too infrequent for for any real competence to be developed in that decision making where we're really making those decisions under extreme stress and compressed time and then unfortunately the overwhelming majority of the firearms training world removes combatives which is going to be the overwhelming majority of the, of the options that you're going to have the overwhelming majority of, of assaults that's really the way to look at it in terms of assaults the overwhelming majority of assaults 80 percent of assaults are simple assaults and simple battery where uh, the victim is in in reasonably reasonably in immediate fear of simple bodily harm they're going to get banged and bruised but they aren't going to require any kind of medical attention they're going to have an you know they're going to heal immediately or very quickly from that and so we can't you know like you said the only tool we have is a hammer everything looks like a nail but now we're dealing with a simple assault but we're carrying a firearm one, are we going to overreact? Are we going to underreact? And do we have the skills to retain and access that weapon if we need to? But more importantly, do we have the skills to handle that situation, to defend ourselves and other people, you know, and while we use the appropriate level of force? And so those things have to be integrated. Now imagine if the person who's the, the aggressor in that situation sees or feels that you have a firearm on. Right mm -hmm. now, a predatory instinct kicks in. They want that firearm. They mm -hmm. want one. They don't want you to use it on them. Right. And two, they may want to, in fact, use it on you.
Mm-hmm. So the ability to work in those extreme close quarters, if you think about what are, what are, where, what distance do those simple assaults take place at? One to two foot. They take place at contact distance, don't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we have to be able to be very comfortable and have a high level of competency working at those dif- distances with all different levels of force. And then if we take a look at the overwhelming majority of aggravated assaults, Statistically, the overwhelming majority of aggravated assaults are going to be, first of all, with, the, with blunt force trauma, most commonly with a hammer or a baseball bat or a pipe or a brick or a rock, right? That's what's going to be, mo- and even more common than that are what are called personal weapons where people are using fists and, you know, punches and kicks and elbows to the level of excessive force. Those are, that's mm-hmm. a contact distance as well. And then, of course, the edge weapon attack is happening at contact distance. The overwhelming majority of these attacks are also going to be ambushes where the intent and the weapons and or hands or feet are concealed until the very last possible moment. So it's usually going to be some type of an ambush. And then lastly, is which is far way farther down the list, is going to be a firearm. Now, I know that some of the people listening right now may say that the statistics don't support that. The statistics that I'm setting right now are when gang warfare right, and drug-related crimes are removed, what, what are the different types of violent crimes that average people are faced with, right? And so mm-hmm. now, now, now the statistics will change dramatically. It's less about, well, it's very rare for regular people to be getting in shootouts. Should we know how to deal with those shootouts? Of course we should, but it's going to be extremely rare that we have to do that. So the question is, how are we really prioritizing our training time and what different types of skills should we be having? And then what this conversation is about is how how should we be training? You know, what what's the methodology that we should be training to maximize the transference of those skills? Mm-hmm. And definitely there's... Um being able to transfer those skills and having the proper skills at the proper time. So as you said, we're not using a sledgehammer on a, you know, on a nail or on an ant, and we don't look at everything as being a nail. Absolutely not. And the only way we're going to do that, you know, um, is by getting the looks and having real life interactions, looking at a flashcard and making decision isn't the same because you're not having a real world interaction with real world resistance. Um, mm-hmm. do you mind if I read the post that you referenced, I have printed up. Do you mind if I read, go through the paragraphs and we can kind of break yeah. it down? Is yeah, that okay? That. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the name of the post that I wrote is kind of like a little blog post that Rob is referring to. I call it contextualized decision-making the key to effective firearms training. And here's the first paragraph. It reads like this. When it comes to firearms training, it's critical to understand that generic information processing is not the same as contextualized decision-making integrated with relevant motor skills. Sure, calling shapes, numbers, and colors as targets or running a competition stage can improve general attributes, but it fails to provide the necessary context to enrich self-organization within the specific context of violence. So the whole idea is my background is neuropsychology. Okay. My, my background is actually motor learning, skill acquisition and human performance. That's what I did professionally for 15 years. And I lectured at medical schools on topic on this topic for 15 years. And so what we're talking about is a a methodology and training called ecological dynamics, where we are we are taking the decision making that's happening, contextualized decision making that is 
what we call with representative design, representative task design. And what that means is that we're choosing to train things that are specific to what we'll actually be performing and the high probability in reality, you see. And so what happens is that the decision making gets encoded with the motor skills. So the perception leads to the action. You see, and so we learn to become fluid and adaptive through principles that way, because in the realities of violence, those variables are unpredictable and unrepeatable. Mm -hmm. and they oftentimes happen rapidly and violently. However, the way that the firearms world is training in reality is in a predictable reality that is decontextualized. They're processing information, but they're not practicing ecological or ecological or dynamic where it's fluid and where the decision making is fluid and alive versus you know versus somebody else that is specifically contextualized for what real people would actually you know be performing and also unfortunately the overwhelming majority of the most popular courses and instructors in this industry are really teaching paramilitary training which has almost nothing to do with what real people deal with on a day-to-day -day basis very very true very true. And uh, your background is one of those things that makes it very good to have you on talking about these things, because when it comes to I've run, I've run a lot of drills, I've uh, you know put a lot of students through. But the one thing I do have to say that from my standpoint, that helps students more than going along and shooting a box of ammo at a target is going along and actually putting them in a force on force situation to where you've got them. The student has to make a decision off about what they see and what they do can also affect on whoever is doing the role playing at the same time. And most, most definitely. And that gets them to start thinking that, oh, I was so focused on the person coming in front of me. I never saw his buddy coming up behind me. I, I go along and it's like, okay, they, you know, he got so close to me. So when I drew, they were able to go, they were at arm's distance and they were able to gr grab the gun just as quickly um, as they were drawing. And it became a wrestling match instead of actually, you know, being, being able to be used in a def defensive situation. Yeah, most definitely understanding force reactionary gaps and how long things take and in reality is something that very few people have a real true understanding of so i'm really glad to you know i'm glad to hear that you're saying that one of the things that we've developed at ids is a spectrum of uh, force on force training that goes anywhere from really simple binary decision making that's contextualized all the way to micro scenarios simple scenarios complex scenarios and then all the way up to large-scale scenarios where we have seven different steps of this so the point that i'm saying with this ecological dynamic style of training is that it's scalable and we can actually do this in a way because now we have the data we know what violent crime looks like you know we do and i'm talking about violent crime in the united states not violent crime in other countries mm -hmm. not, violent, not violent crime in prisons not the type of violent interactions that law enforcement is dealing with because their context is different too okay they're usually going hands-on first and their interactions are going to be different we can tailor it to all of those things but we want to be make sure that we're specific to our context and what the patterns of violence are where we live right mm -hmm. so we have that and we also have modern training aids we have the cert laser training pistol we have utm you know we have all of these things that we can do i use the utm all the time i use it a whole bunch last week with our instructor course that we have here the problem is it's expensive and it's cumbersome and it requires lots of 
you know, safety protocols and it requires lots of uh, equipment and it's, it can be slow and cumbersome because we have to stop and reload. But with the CERT or something like that or an inert type weapon, we can get a high level of volume where we're getting new looks every five or 10 seconds. So in every, in 15 to 20 minutes, we can get 50, 60, 70 repetitions. So imagine how much effective training that you can get done in, in a, just one hour of time. You know, it's one of the things that we find so important at IDS. We have 40 affiliates across North America, and now we're in Germany. We certify instructors where now we're in Germany, we're in the Philippines as well, and Canada, is, is that we have students that come and train all throughout the week. It's a martial arts model is what it is. Because the, the science clearly shows that in order for students to really have a true level of competence, they have to have ongoing training and practice in this ecological dynamic approach. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the one thing about you know the difference between an actual firearm and a cert is one goes bang and the other one doesn't. But you still have the same tactile feel. You still have to take it and move it and, you know, watch you you can watch where the muzzle is you can go along you know assuming you've got a model that says replicated within uh the cert you get a very good uh feeling for it uses the same holster same type of trigger and you get all those reps in there very quickly and you know reinforces what you should and shouldn't be able to uh shouldn't be doing at the same time in a, in a safe environment the autonomic nervous system doesn't know the difference between a simulated experience and a real one so all the kinetic skills can really be developed extremely well in this type of training with the CERT. It's, it's, said, it's commonly said within our industry that nothing beats live fire. And I would strongly disagree with that because live fire is so limiting with what we can do, right? We can't do force on force. We can't do this ecological approach. We can't do this contextualized decision-making with live fire. We simply can't do it. And it's expensive and it's time consuming and, you know, and so not, I'm not here to take away from live fire. We, of course, live fire is very valuable, but it's extremely limiting and, and very deficient with what you can do with it. So what we do at IDS is 95% of our training and practice for our students is with the CERT. Two and a half percent is with non-lethal training munitions like UTM and two and a half percent is with live fire. So we can go to the range if we, assuming that we have a range that will allow us to work in a way that is representative of what we'd actually be performing in a way that is fluid and dynamic. And we can, we can you know, verify what our skill level is with the live weapon that we've already been practicing with a high level of competence and proficiency with the inert weapon and the non-lethal munition. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, uh probably a really good ratio when it comes to being able to do things because it also keeps uh controls the cost and you know ammo is available these days but i wouldn't say ammo's gotten cheap yet um still fairly expensive overall when you get to get to a couple hundred round class you could be spending more than you want to yeah if you you know the way that we've done it at ids is we actually have two pathways that we'd have um we have an online training program as well for anybody so they can train at home that's the whole idea is we want to remove the barriers of entry for training so we have we can train all the time that's the point so the, the model where we're working across from a paper or a cardboard target or an inert an inert target is called the re reductionist pathway in training reductionist and it's um, also prescriptive that's another uh, thing that usually happens in the firearms training world where the, the instructor is giving the answer to the problem and then the student is 
just repeating the pro the answer to the problem over and over again. So there's no real problem solving that's happening, right? And then we have the ecological pathway. So if you have a training partner or training partners, you could drill it both ways. So if you're alone, you could work that reductionist pathway, right? And if you're with training partner or training partners, now you could work it with, with the ecological approach. So we can do it. We can do it both ways. And that's the whole idea. We want to be as versatile as possible. Oftentimes, we don't have the luxury of having training partners, right hopefully mm -hmm. you can find hopefully you can find one right um, mm -hmm. so so you, but you can you can do it both ways but the research hands down says right if you don't believe me look up rud 2020 just for starter the research that rud did in 2020 and there's a whole long list i mean there's white paper after white paper and journal after journal about this there's real scientific research around this guys we're not just going based on tradition and intuition here we're giving you real science here that the the research clearly shows that to maximize transference of skill you want to work with this ecologically dynamic approach and the old methodology which is 50 or 60 years old if i'm going to be honest with you that's how outdated our tra our training methodology is in the firearms training world says that you first need to develop skill have skill development happen first and then once you've developed the skills then you can apply the skills skill application but the research doesn't say that at all the research clearly shows that skill development and skill application need to be happening simultaneously so how do you get good at playing a sport you play, play the, the sport, sport. Yeah. you play the sport you play the whole game you don't just shoot free throws and then just think that you're good at the game of basketball right mm -hmm. uh, no one would ever think that in in the real in the, in the sports world but in the firearms training world they think it all the time that's the prevailing status quo paradigm and that's it's flawed it's fundamentally flawed and functionally outdated mm -hmm. here's the second paragraph that i have in this little blog post the reality is that learning to make decisions is encoded with specific movements and they are baked into the cake together therefore training that involves real human resistance integrated with decision making that is specifically representative of how violence actually occurs is the most effective way to deepen and accelerate students learning which is what i was just talking about this ecologically dynamic training approach allows students to integrate all necessary components of their performance and develop real competence especially the high probability of integrated combatives so again we want to take all of these things and bake it into the cake we don't want to take a fractured or fragmented approach where these things are disconnected from one another they are intimately interdependent upon one another simultaneously a lot to digest there but i think your approach really really get, uh, is getting me thinking about how i'm doing it maybe maybe i need to uh, be offering my students a little bit more on a more integrated approach for doing things 100 percent, 100 percent. the science says shows hands down mm -hmm. this the science says hands down what this what you know if we want to think about it rob our students are carrying a lethal weapon they're making life and death decisions life and death decisions with that lethal weapon right mm -hmm. yeah your so, uh your sports analogy it really has got me thinking too because you know in ccw classes most pistol classes were worrying about shooting a target and you know as long as we as long as we're in the a zone you know we consider that good but in reality we're 
very seldom going to have things that are going to be that neat and that, and that nice to be able to it's do ugly. it. And, and we it's need ugly to and messy. be able to go yeah. along and, you know, seven of a zone that's on a piece of paper, we need to go in. Okay. Where do, where do we aim? If somebody's got a shirt on, I mean, we've got to be able to aim at something besides just the shirt. Right. And yeah. at the same time, be able to go along and, you know, be able to deal with all those uh, di- dynamic situations. Listen, so generic marksmanship, in my view, is the equivalent of figure skating. And defending yourself with a firearm or when you have a firearm on you is the equivalent of hockey. You know, shooting is a part of hockey, right? Mm -hmm. It is a part of hockey, but what's the difference between figure skating and hockey is one environment is violent and randomized, and the other one is not not violent at all. It is pre-choreographed, right? And mm-hmm. it's and it's judged. It's given a score, right? Against Based how on, well you execute the choreograph, right? So, <laughs> in our view, in, right. And so, the reality is that violence isn't choreographable. It's not standardizable. But our industry tends to standardize something that is not standardizable. If the variables are not repeatable, then it can't be standardized. It's completely unscientific and illogical. You can't standardize it. Sorry, you just can't. So we prefer then to lean toward performance-based training instead of outcome-based training because it, it can't be quantified. You can't quantify violence. If, if the variables that can't be repeated, it can't be quantified, you see? So we want to train in a way where we're, we, know, we actually know what we're doing, how to enhance that unique student's performance based on their unique attributes and their lifestyle and their circumstances and the violent encounters that they're faced with they need to be adaptable with their principles as opposed to giving them a collection of keys right i want them to learn to be a key maker and also we don't want to make sure that we're falling into the presupposition which the firearms training industry does they're presupposing that their students are going to be using their firearm in a violent encounter and chances are good that they aren't going to be or that they're going to be firing their weapon and chances are good even if they do bring their weapon out they're probably going to be using it as a deterrent you see so there's a there's an infinite number of variables that students need to learn to navigate we call it fso you need to learn how to fso figure stuff out on the fly because it's probably not going to happen like you expect it to happen or when you expect it to happen you see so we need to have students develop themselves and their skill levels at the level of unconscious competence, which is at the level of, of reflex. This needs to be at the, uh, an, an un, these decisions inter, interwoven as a tapestry with their motor, motor skills needs to be at the level of reflex. There's, there probably isn't going to be time to think about these things. So here's the, here's the next paragraph that I have written here. It says, in contrast, generic information processing is an information-poor environment that denies the opportunity to inter- students the opportunity to interact with relevant information. This approach takes the focus away from the learning process and fails to provide students with the necessary skills to handle the nuances of a violent situation. See, violence is filled with nuance. And we need to have we need to have the skills to develop the the the, the principles and the skills to to deal with those nuances. It happens on a spectrum, a multi-dimensional spectrum. It's not a two-dimensional reality. Most people in the firearms industry they think in terms of circles and squares and triangles. I'm talking about spheres. I'm talking about cubes. 
I'm talking about rectangles because this is multidimensional in, in its reality. And so we already talked about some of the other stuff that I have written in the blog with the, the advent of modern training aids and the access that we have to data sets. We want to take a meta-analysis of the data set. IDS, we do a lot of research, but we don't publish our own data, right? When we talk about data, we're not, you know, we're not talking about, oh, here, here's, the, here's the data that IDS has found over all the years and, and watching videos. That's a conflict of interest. We could very easily have a selection bias in terms of what data we're choosing and cherry pick that data to fit whatever our narrative so that we can sell more courses or more product or that we can sell our narrative. So instead, we take multiple data sets and we find the averages of multiple data sets, even if those data sets are in conflict with one another, you see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so we, so we take a so we take a very scientific approach to what we do, but we also we also understand that at the end of the day, it's also an art because it can't be quantified. Yeah, well, all every violent situation that I've uh, reviewed, um, I've been in. It's as you said, it's a very dynamic situation, and you're using uh, you know a number of uh, skills in, in order to go along and uh, get the best outcome that's possible simultaneously mm -hmm. and you can't be in literally you can't be thinking about it because you were thinking about it you're behind the uh, eight ball already you've got to be able to react to it intuitively to know what the best situation is uh, uh, to be able to get that situation that's right with a level of measure and skill right we don't just see we don't go code black right you mm -hmm. have to and that's the beauty of training in this way is that we've been exposed to it so many times that we're going to be more calm, right? We're going to be far more accurate and faster with our decision-making because we've experienced this decision-making so often, right? And mm -hmm. imagine if you're not, right? We're talking about human performance. We're talking about having a realistic expectation of human performance during an adrenal dump in, you know, under extreme stress in compressed time. And, you know, perf human performance deteriorates dramatically under situations like that, but we can increase the, we can improve the human performance by having a high volume of repetition in this type of ecologically dynamic training approach. And how does the saying go? You can't miss fast enough. And that's where you've got to go, be able to go along and pull yourself together, make the proper decisions. And, you know, if you miss, it's, it, it's not going to help you at all. You might as well take in an extra second to get your sights lined up than to miss on your first well, you're shot. Not, you're probably not going to have the time and your brain isn't going to let you look at your sights. Mm -hmm. Your brain's going to force your eyes to lock onto the threat. Probably that's just an, in, that's an involuntary response, right? I'm also a FSI certified for science analyst, and there's all kinds of research, eye scan research, eye position research, case research on where the eye is going under stress, under extreme stress, you see. So, and we also want to be careful that we're not making the assumption that we're using our firearm or that we're shooting. We're probably not. We're probably not. Or we're going to have to probably fight our way to our firearm while we defend an ambush with a knife or a hammer or with or something else right and so that requires a whole another dimension of skill so we want to be careful that we're not falling into the status quo biases if you don't mind i'd like to read something that i have here i have a cognitive bias that i'd like to talk about as yep, i encourage as i encourage listeners to 
you know, uh, open their mind on a new approach and understand that these approaches that are being taught today are really, they're really outdated. Okay. So it's become, the status quo is, is grossly outdated and deficient. So there's something called system justification bias. That's also called the status quo bias, which is the tendency to defend and bolster the status quo. Existing social, economic, and political arrangements tend to be preferred and alternatives disparaged, sometimes even at the expense of individual and collective self-interest. So during this type of bias, what happens is even when people, maybe some people are hearing these things that I'm saying, well, this actually makes a lot of sense, but they still won't do it. And they'll still have a way of kind of ignoring it or even going out of their way to actually destroy these new concepts because of the bias that they have. Even if they understand well, this is what's going to be best for my students and best for us overall, or even if it's going to be best for me, I'm still going to stick with the status quo because that's the way we've done it all along. Well, it's time for a change, guys. You know, we're talking about life and death here. My wife works in surgery every day. She trains surgical teams and something that I'd like the audience to consider is that surgeons have to stay updated with their methodology, with how they're learning things, okay? And how they're applying things in surgery. In some styles of surgery, if they're out of date six months, so it's actually six to 24 months in general, they can be sued for malpractice. But the stakes are just as high for us as concealed carriers as it is for them. Only as my wife would say, it's more difficult for us because we're dealing with variables that are out of our control and unpredictable and unrepeatable. Whereas the whole point of the operating room is to control the variables. So she says to me all the time, what you do for self-defense with a firearm is far more difficult than what we do in surgery. So that's mm -hmm. why it's important that we open our minds to a whole new approach to training methodology so that our students can have the best possible outcome. Yep. That's again. Yeah. I'm, I'm chewing on all this. You've, you've got my mind thinking, and that's a, uh, that's a good thing, uh, to say the least for, it. um, can we go back for a minute and explain your, uh, IDS instructor program a little bit. I know yeah. we talked about it the first time you were on, but, um, you've, it's a great program. Um, I haven't been able to go through it yet, but it's, a, it's, uh, been a great program. Thank you. That's a lot of good, a lot of good information coming from it. Thank you. Yeah, it's again, we're integrative defense strategies. So we're integrating multiple modalities and disciplines all together. And um, we have affiliates, 40 affiliates across the United States, Europe, and now we're in the Philippines and we're in Canada as well. And it's, it's the, the instructor certification courses are three and a half days long. And we have eight different levels of certification from beginning to end. And they cover, honestly, they cover everything. It's, it's a program like nothing else anybody's ever seen. There's a high high profile instructor that you and I both know who said to me one time, Todd, you got to be careful with what you're saying because there's no program out there that exists like that. I said, yes, it is. Yes, there is. That's the pro that's the IDS program. <laughs> so I invited him to attend our level one and he said, oh my gosh, I had no idea. My mind is blown. This is on a level that, and on a scale that nobody has ever seen before. And so um, it takes students, instructors that we certify about four years to go through all eight levels, about two levels, um, about two levels a year is, how, is, is the average that it goes, is, that it goes through. And then we also have an online portal uh, 
that we offer lesson plans and PowerPoint presentations and data and science and statistics. And we have over 600 videos on the portal that's there designed to be in support of the instructors to utilize this type of training. Then we also have an online training program for end users. It's called IDSCitizenDefender.com, where people subscribe. Then we have over we have 17 different courses on there, and they can train in this approach from home. So we have the instructor pathway, and then we also have the pathway for for the end user um, for the end user as well. And we currently have certified uh, over 200 instructors uh, across the world. 200, very well distinguished uh instructors with the integrated system that you have that's uh, they are they are we're very proud we're very uh, we're very proud of of um what we've developed it took 13 years it took 13 years to to develop it i locked myself in a room having gone through a lot of the traditional approaches thinking about what my training and background was and i locked myself in my office and told my wife i'm only coming out to sleep go to the bathroom and eat and i said i'm going to design a program that that should is going to go by how the science says we should be doing this and when i by the time i was done i realized this looks so radically different i don't know who's ever going to even want this <laughs> and i started to post videos on what i was doing and come to find out there were a lot of people who wanted it and the next thing i knew there was so much demand for it that we launched our we launched our affiliate program and our instructor certification program so that's kind of how it began very very cool um yeah really appreciate your uh breaking down the contextual training and give us a little bit more of a uh mind bender when it comes to uh all the research you've done and put into doing this but it's uh it's stuff that we as instructors need to stay up on top of stay informed and also adjust our training appropriately too because students change instructors change as much as the our equipment changes you know revolvers to semi-automatics to red dot sites you know they're all you know everything changes and if you don't sit up on top you're going to be going going by the way of the dinosaur and the methodologies change right the training methodologies change and the patterns mm -hmm. of the patterns of violence change right it's all about being adaptable so i i humbly first of all thank you for having me on rob and thank you for the opportunity to talk about this i really mean it, it takes a lot of courage to have me on to talk about things that are not <laughs> consistent with the status quo and i am grateful for that but i just ask that the audience keeps an open mind to what i'm saying um, if you're if you're an instructor and you're interested in learning more about our affiliate program go to thisisids.com thisisids.com or you can email me a message at todd at gunclasses.net or you can find me we also you can follow message me on social media on uh, todd fossey on on facebook integrative defense strategies on facebook integrative defense strategies on youtube integrative defense strategies and todd fossey on instagram and we're also on rumble and we're also on BitChute. we're all over the place and we'd be honored we're constantly posting educational information we don't put up content for the sake of putting up content we want to put up content that is real life-saving information we're not here to entertain people right we're not mm -hmm. here to entertain people and put all a bunch of sexy stuff we're really put, we're here to put out real information that can really move this industry along and save people's lives so thanks rob i really appreciate this opportunity well thanks again and uh i'm pretty sure you're gonna be on again because you just you open up so many doors when you come on well, and we, you know we, we, we want to go through them <laughs> we have not scratched we have not scratched the surface 
Okay. We have not scratched the surface. We, yeah. fe- we felt the cold air above the tip of the iceberg. We did not scratch the tip of the iceberg yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but we've gotten to a good point here, and uh, we'll put a wrap on this uh, episode and such. But before we let you go, could you go along and give our listeners um, a suggestion for an event, class, or place that you think that they should visit that you know might help them understand the 2A rights and the rights that we have here as Americans? Well, first of all, this, I think it's pretty probably pretty ob- obvious to your audience that the Second Amendment has never been more important than it is today. And I think that that all goes um, that all goes unsaid right now, right? I think that's pretty obvious to everybody listening. We need to continue to preserve our God-given inalienable right to personal protection and self-defense, and to preserve that what is good, uh, to preserve freedom, to preserve innocence, really. And and now, actually, objectivism and critical thought is under under attack as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I, I strongly recommend the Guardian Conference, you know, concealedcarry.com's Guardian Conference. You're going to get a really a great uh, cross-section of different instructors and philosophies there. They'll intentionally um, throw in conflicting philosophies on purpose so that you can come to your own conclusions and your own decisions. It's a fantastic community of like-minded people. And so I highly, I highly recommend that whoever's listening check out the uh, Guardian Conference. It's in September at Oklahoma City Gun Club. Um, 15th through the 17th 15th to the 17th so that's my plug for that and if and people haven't heard me talk about before um it's also a great opportunity to go along you've got firearm training you got legal training first aid training you've got uh, unarmed uh you know open hands type of training one of those things to where you you start filling in the gaps in your training you know no matter how well you can you know shoot the bullseye out on target can you go along and go, you know, you know, hand to hand with somebody that gets too close on you? Or do you know what the legal implications or uh, think about it this way? You are the best going hand to hand shooting and legal. That does not give you a free uh, get getaway of not being injured at all. You could ha- you could have been cut. You could have been shot. You could have been bloodied. Somebody in your family could have, and that's where the medical training also comes in great too, to really round out the whole package for it. So you can do everything right and still be a casualty, mm-hmm. right? You can do everything wrong and come out smelling like a rose. And so decision-making, 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 contextualized decision-making, as opposed to decontextualized information processing. That is good. And last uh, question for you, Todd, where can people find more out about Todd Fossey? Um, if you just want to repeat that one more time, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So um, if you're interested in like, you know, learning more about our program and you know, becoming a subscriber and we have 16, you know, um, unlimited streaming courses, we have hundreds upon hundreds of hours of content available. That's done in a really cool way. It's an, it's a non-linear approach called learn dash where you can track your progress. You can ask questions. It's, it's really, it's interactive. It's really cool stuff. That's idscitizendefender.com. That's for the, the end user. And then for those who are interested in becoming instructors or affiliates, you can check out thisisids.com and send us a message on there or an email, and uh, we'll get back to you with whatever questions that you might have. Okay, perfect. Todd, as I said before, thank you for your time, and we will look for other topics uh, to start scratching the uh, iceberg a little bit deeper than just the surface. That would be my honor. Thanks again, Rob. Appreciate you having me on. Have a good one.
that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you got some good information out of contextual training with uh, Todd there. Always learn something new when I'm talking to him. If you have a topic that comes to mind when you're listening to this podcast or other podcasts, email me your suggestions at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Remember, it can be a topic. It could be somebody else. It might just be you. We just want to have interesting people on the podcast to make it interesting for everybody and to get good word out. Also, listen to the other Concealed Carry podcast, the original Concealed Carry uh, podcast, the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast with Brian Eastridge and your Not Your Average Gun Girl podcast. Don't forget about the Guardian Conference on September 15th through the 17th. Be a great time to get some world-class training out in Oklahoma City starting on Friday, ending on Sunday afternoon. If you have comments on our podcast, feel free to go to our webpage, firearmtrainerpodcast.com or our Facebook page. Leave us those comments there. Also, too, if you'd like to see some of our or listen to some of our older podcasts, go to firearmtrainerpodcast.com where there is a search feed on the right-hand side that you can search for different topics, marketing, going along, expanding your business, advanced training. All those topics are out there, and we've got many, many episodes out there for. Also, remember, visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. You went along, established your business. That was your first step. You got certified as next step. Next step should be getting FTA coverage. And remember, as listeners to this podcast, you can get 10% off by using promo code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.